0: Uh, Well, feel free to disagree with me with the full knowledge that you're wrong. But The Princess Bride is the greatest movie ever made. Thank you. It's got everything. It's got swords. It's got fights. It's got pirates. It's got Billy Crystal. It's got fire swamps. It's got rodents of unusual sizes. But these all hang off the main story, the epic main story of true love between Buttercup and Wesley. Now, there are spoilers ahead, but you've had 34 years to watch it, so I don't apologise. There's an epic journey as Buttercup and Wesley seek to come together after falling in love on the farm. All seems lost as they go throughout this journey, until the very end where the cruel prince is humiliated and Wesley and Buttercup ride off into the sunset on four white horses and they live happily ever after. Now, underneath all this silly comedy and terrible costumes, this is what our modern society has made love to be. Something that we fall into. Something that will fulfill us. Something that will complete us, make us happy, and then have 1 Corinthians 13 read at our wedding. The lie that Hollywood has sold us is that we've got to find our one true love and then everything else will just seemingly fall into place. But you see, this makes love all about us, doesn't it? It's self serving, it's self completing, it makes us the center of attention. It's romantic, it's soppy, and something which just seemingly happens. However, as we'll see today, the love that we are to have as followers of Jesus is completely and utterly different. Namely, our lives and the use of our gifts isn't meant to be driven or marked by just romantic feelings or loving when we feel like it or when we feel affection towards our brothers and sisters. But our lives are to be driven by a Christ-like love who has loved us with an everlasting love. And this is essential. Because without love, firstly, we are nothing. Love is essential. Now, as we heard last week, the Corinthians were in a battle for one-upmanship. They thought that tongues were somehow better than any other spiritual gift. But last week, Paul said that gifts are essential in building up the body of Christ. And all gifts are. We each need to use our gifts in service to God Uh, If we were all the same, it would be boring. If we were all the same, we would be ineffective. If we didn't use our gifts, then the body would be missing out. Then he urges us right at the end of chapter 12 to desire the higher gifts. And then chapter 12, verse 31, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And so in chapter 13, he shows us the most excellent way. Love. He uses himself as an example to show us. So look with me from chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give up all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. So even if Paul is the most gifted person in the world and he uses his gifts unsparingly, but he doesn't have love, he is nothing. Notice that he doesn't just say that his gifts are nothing, but he says that he himself is nothing. He cuts to the core of the person. He is of no value without love. He produces no value. He is of no value, and he gains nothing of value. So firstly, he cuts to the core of the Corinthians one-upmanship by saying that even if he speaks in tongues or makes uh, great speeches, He's just a loud, annoying noise that eventually fade away after a couple of seconds. It's kind of like a kid with a new drum kit for Christmas who doesn't have any sense of rhythm. It's just noise. Without love, Paul produces nothing of value. Then he ups the ante here in verse two. He escalates it. Secondly, if he prophesies and knows all things, even if he has amazing faith but doesn't have love, he is nothing. Even with the biggest brain, the smartest ideas, maybe even in a top seller in Kurong, without love, nothing. Lastly, if Paul gives away all that he has and even becomes a martyr for Jesus and lays down his life for God's church but doesn't have love, he gains nothing. Love is essential. Love is what marks us out as a child of God. Love is what brings us together as God's church. Therefore, if we don't have love, then we are nothing. And notice in this list that we've just read that Paul gives us, all these things are good things, aren't they? You know, preaching, good. Knowledge, good. Faith, good. Uh, giving to the poor and giving up life for Jesus are really good. Uh, These are all good things on the surface. They're great, worthy of praise, maybe even worth uh, putting up as a leader in God's church. But without love, these are nothing. And the gifted person is nothing. See, when it comes to our spiritual gifts, it's not about the quantity of our gifts. It's not about the type of gifts. It's not about the quality of our gifts. It's about how we use our gifts. And this applies to every person, every single gift. You know, if we hand out newsletters, or we sanitise yet another toy that a kid has picked up, or we go have communion with people out in the community, or we wash dishes, or we unmute that microphone, or we turn up just faithfully every Sunday but don't have love, we are nothing. If I lead a small group, lead some Ridley courses, and maybe even have a theological degree, and a fluent in Greek, Hebrew, and even Aramaic, I'm not, by the way, but even if I did have these things, but didn't have love, I am nothing. See, if I use these gifts without love, then really I'll just be doing it for my own self-praise and self-gratification. <laughs> Friends, if we go as St. Bart's forward with Vision 2025 and multiply leaders in God's church, plant or revitalize congregations, have 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, translate whole sermons into different languages, all with a zero-carbon impact and make disciples, but we don't have love, we're just an annoying noise. So, we are to be a church that's marked out, lives out, and shouts out God's love. And this isn't just a job for the people on the payroll, this is a job for every single person here to be people of love, to serve with love, to remind each other of God's love, to keep each other accountable in God's love, because it's essential. So then this then begs the question, what is love? Well, love is self-sacrificial. This is Paul's definition of love. It's not a gushy, romantic feeling. It's not just nice. It's not just lovely. To love is to act, not just to feel. To love is to drive and motivate our actions and affections. It's not self-surfing. It's self-sacrificial, even if it's hard work even when we don't feel like it. So let's see from verse 4 together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in eagle, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Isn't this just an awesome picture? But there's something about this list that's familiar. Uh, This is pretty much a list of everything that the the Corinthians weren't. Uh, Paul is really cutting to the matter here. He's kind of saying to the Corinthians, love is patient, but you aren't. Love is kind, but you aren't. Love does not envy, but you do. Love does not delight in evil, but you delight in evil. See, the Corinthians were prideful. They boasted in their leaders. They boasted in their position in society whilst looking down at the poor. They were rejoicing in abhorrent immorality, and they were using their freedoms inappropriately. But Paul points out that the most excellent way is love. Love. If the Corinthians had the love which Paul points out here, then they would have none of these problems, which he's already addressed. But before we go pointing our finger at the Corinthians, we should take a look at our own lives. Uh, Can I stand up here in all good faith, in utter confidence, in all truthfulness, and say that Michael is patient? Michael is kind? Michael is not easily angered? Just put a camera in my car in Brisbane, peak out traffic, and this just doesn't hold up. So then, what is this love meant to look like? What's the standard here? Well, it's patient and kind. It's generous towards others. It's others-focused. It doesn't boast. It's, it's impossible to be both prideful and loving at the same time. It doesn't, it doesn't dishonor others. It doesn't look down on other people. It doesn't have a one upmanship. It doesn't gossip about other people behind their backs. It keeps no record of wrongs. It forgives and clears the record when sinned against. It rejoices in all that is good. It avoids evil and seeks out the light, not the darkness. It's others focused. It's hard. Our culture says that love is love. That all we need is love. We just need to find a love that completes us. We're lost until we find it. And then when we fall out of love, then, well, then it's just all over. But the Bible says that love isn't just love, love doesn't just happen. No, it doesn't just happen for me. I mean, you're all lovely people, but my heart is sinful. See, love is something which you need to constantly do and and work on. Biblical love is costly, it's hard, but when it works in perfection, friends, it's beautiful. And we don't just pursue this because it's moralistic or ethical or just because we want to be good citizens in the world or because loving others will earn us our salvation. No, we do this because we've been deeply, truly, perfectly and utterly loved to the uttermost by Jesus Christ. Jesus has been infinitely patient and kind towards us. Jesus is the one who didn't consider equality with God something to be taken hold of. He didn't boast. Jesus didn't dishonor others, nor did he rejoice in evil, but he is the light of the world. Jesus is the one who loves us enough to be killed, though blameless, and raised victorious, so that our record of wrongs is completely gone away with, vanished, done. So this is how we've been loved, and this is the love that we are called to. A Christ-like love, a self-sacrificial love. And because we've all been loved with the same love, instead of this being a burden or a chore, it just becomes a natural overflow of all that we have in Christ. See, the solution for the Corinthians and us isn't just to pull up our socks and try really hard to be loving. No, it's to remind ourselves of exactly who we are in Christ a bunch of everyday, ordinary, sinful people who have been saved by his amazing grace because of his love for us. And this love which brings us to our knees in worship is eternal and brings us into eternity. See, when Jesus comes again, everything else will pass away. All gifts would have served their purpose, but love will never end. Uh, Love is like the bridge which secures our eternity. We can only enter because Christ has first loved us. So it's eternal. Uh, Look at me from verse 8. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. See, all the gifts that we have right now serve the purpose of building up the body of Christ and pointing each other towards Jesus in the new kingdom. So then when this kingdom comes, well, there'll be no use for these gifts. They're temporal. They have a used-by date. Prophecies won't be needed because we'll know God in full. Tongues won't be needed because we can talk to God face-to-face. Knowledge will pass away because our human knowledge is minuscule and nothing compared to what we'll know when we are brought into eternity. See, right now, we know God because he has come to us in Jesus, given us his spirit, and revealed himself to us through his word. But still, our knowledge is only partial. We only know God fully when he comes again. It's almost like, imagine being there for the first brushstrokes of the Sistine Chapel, hanging out with your good mate, Michelangelo. You know, you kind of get an idea of what it's going to look like, you have enough of an idea, but it doesn't compare to the glory of the, complete, of the finished artwork. This is what our knowledge of God is like, this side of the fall and this side of eternity. Right now, we only know God partially, as if through a mirror, or as we've come to know through Zoom or FaceTime. But when Jesus returns... All these imperfections will fade away and we will have full knowledge and maturity. We'll put behind us those things which have served us here and now, such as prophecy and tongues and all other gifts, and then enjoy being with God in full maturity for eternity in his love. We'll know him fully, just as he knows us right now. And the thing which brings us there is his amazing love for us. So this is the most important thing. Everything else passes away, love will never pass away. And if we don't have it, well, we're nothing. If we reject God's love and turn away from it, we will be nothing so then if you are here today or tuning in online and have not accepted God's love yet if you haven't yet turned to him and allowed yourself to be loved by him i urge you today to do so accept his love turn to him and all your guilt Shame, wrongs have been forgotten because of his amazing love for you. If you are a follower of Jesus, how is your love life? I'm not just talking about your relationships with your spouse, but how is your love for God's church here? Do you remember God's love for you? Do you remember just how much you are deeply loved? See, God is patient towards you. God is kind towards you. God has completely forgotten your wrongdoings. God is not angry at you. God loves you. With an everlasting loving kindness... Even unto death. And until such time as He calls us home or He comes again, our role is quite simple to remember His love for us. And in all that we do, do it with and by and in His kind of love, which is essential which is self-sacrificial and which is eternal. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord and heavenly Father, how we thank you so much for your amazing, unending, phenomenal, deep, loving kindness towards us. We thank you that you are patient, We thank you that you are kind. We thank you that you have sent Jesus to take away our sins so our record of wrongs is completely gone. And so, gracious Lord, we pray that you will help us. Help us to be constantly awed and brought to our knees in the sight of your love. Help us to never forget this. Keep us from over-familiarity. And help us to serve in your love. Help us to live out our lives in your love. And help us to constantly seek this love and to share this love, which will never fail. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.